Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Two. In the week before against Atlanta, they ran a bunch and he was successful. And of those two passes last week, I think they went for 14 and 17 yards, something like that. So that was broken, obviously. So I have no problem if it is Justin Fields and you decide to move on to a new offensive coordinator. It can't be any worse. It can only be better, in my opinion. I just think that if they decide to do that, they're going to find a coach that is going to look at Justin differently, and they have now the evaluation of how Luke Getze used him, and so that doesn't work. How can you use him? And I just I, I think this is a smart move no matter which direction you go with quarterback. So, you know, we're going to play what uh, Tanny is listening to it and what he deems is uh, important, but some of the little headlines here. Polls says they'd have to be blown away to move on from yeah. Justin, but they're going to do it. It's a unique situation. Eberflus were playing the long game here. You know, they said they're confident with uh, getting something done with Jalen. They called Braxton Jones a foundational piece. They said they did not call Jim Harbaugh as some of the headlines, and we'll get to all of it uh, in depth. But, Pat, do you think this move, keeping Eberflus, getting rid of the offensive staff, does that tip the scale one way or the other for you? Like, do you, Fields or Caleb, like, do, do you, does, it, does it indicate or tip their hand in any way to you? I don't think so, and I listened to some of the, the, the um, press conference where I came on here, and Poles really sounds like he is wide open. He just has to be, you know, completely impressed with whoever young quarterback they, they're looking at or is coming out of college to pick him over Justin Fields. He really sounds like me. He's going to do his homework, and he's going to do what's best for the, the organization, and I liked what I heard that way. I didn't feel he was leaning one way or the other. I think he gave a lot of GM speak of, like, I've got to do my job and all that kind of stuff. But, no, I, I think I think he's in the right mind. And he also gave an honest answer about how much his head's been swimming all year about the different possibilities of doing different things with the draft choice, Justin Fields, and all that. So, you know, I, my, my thing is my fingers are crossed and what I tell a lot of people, I just hope he makes the right decision. You know, I hope we don't see that there's another C.J. Stroud for another team next year that we missed on if they decide to sit with Justin Fields. Maybe Justin Fields turns into to a better quarterback and a franchise quarterback that's worth $200 million if he gets the right off as a coordinator. But whatever it is, I trust Ryan Poles to do everything he can to make the right decision, but then I hope he just makes the right decision. This moment, though, I got to say, is the first moment that I'm really questioning Ryan Poles a lot about this situation. If he truly didn't even call Jim Harbaugh, if he truly didn't talk to anybody, and he could be lying about that, I really hope he's lying about that. He might not be. He might not have been allowed to. I, well, he might have called Don Yee, okay. his agent. I hope he called Don Yee. Okay, hope, okay. Hope that's he a good way agent. to go about it. Yeah. Be, because, like, if you're not even bothering to find out whether that guy would sacrifice the money, would be happy to work with polls, would sublimate his ego if he didn't like Kevin Warren. Like, It's on the table that Jim Harbaugh is a guy who wants to be Coach Ditka the way that he just wanted to be yeah. Coach Schembechler. Yeah. And you got to find that out if that's the case. If he didn't even make that call to Don Yee or anybody else, that would piss me off, Pat. What about you? Right, but what about the possibility that George or Kevin said, no, don't even, don't even think about it. We're not going that direction. We're going – without the Jim Harbaugh thought. I mean, that, that could be it as well. 
but you would you would maybe fire back and be like, no, come on, let me do my job. Me as a footballer, I, I would love to talk to Jim Harbaugh, just pick his brain, see what his thoughts are. Maybe he gives you feedback on what he sees from the Bears from the outside, being an alumni. I'm sure he pays attention a little bit. I know he's busy as heck, you know, working in Michigan and coaching at Michigan, but that's a guy I would talk to just because he's won wherever he's been. And if it is that they would not allow him to call him because they just said, no, he's not on the table, because maybe he would make them uncomfortable, I think that's a bunch of bull, and I don't like that. I think you do exhaust – uh, I, I think they should have called him. I would have liked to heard that they said, yes, we've put some calls out in feelers, but maybe you can't do that because you did decide to keep Matt Eberflus and you just don't want to hurt his feelings. I, I don't know how it works, but um, I just wish they would because he would be fun for us to follow, right? And I also think he'd give the Bears a great chance to win. All right, so Pat, you played for 16 years. You've had good relationships up there for a long, mm-hmm. long time. Um, d- d- is the family kind of allowing, to the best of your knowledge, Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles to do what they think is best a little bit more than they did in previous years? That I don't know. I don't know at all. Um, I wish I did. Now I've been a, uh, apart from that building a little too long, and I, I just I don't feel right asking some of those questions of the people that are in there. Um, so I don't know, and I can't give you the feeling because I have been too, uh, gone too long, Speaks. Okay. Because because it it because it, it's on the table as you suggested that the family mm-hmm. would say, oh no no no, Jim's not our guy. We don't have a good relationship. I mean, just as they did but, with Olden Crutes at fifteen dollars an hour. Yeah, you know? yeah, you could. I mean, I mean, that's just something. Yes, that's a good point there as well. I mean, that's you know they have the right to say that they are the ownership. Uh, you wish and hopefully they're not doing that, but I'm just saying that's a possibility and I don't know anything about it. But you know that's their right to do as, as ownership. All right, so Pat, the question now is. Who's the offensive coordinator? I mean, obviously the biggest question is, are they keeping Justin or drafting a quarterback? But, you know, for for the coaching side of it, uh, what frustrates me about this move is I feel like if you have a good roster and the number one pick and you have your head coach job open, you could really say, you could make the argument that you've got the best job opening in the NFL. Maybe the Chargers would dispute it. But now you can't get the best offensive mind or two that are available this cycle because they will get head coaching jobs. So you're in, by definition, you're limiting yourself right. with those limitations. Do you have a name? Like who, who would you say this guy's not going to be a head coach, but he could be an offensive coordinator. And I would trust him to develop Caleb Williams under Matt Eberflus. Do you have a name? I, I, I do not have a name, but here's the thing, uh, Danny, that, about the attractiveness of this job and what you mentioned. Another thing that needs to be talked about is you have a defensive-minded head coach. So you sell to this offensive coordinator. You come in. You get to run your system. You're in charge of everything on that side of the building. And that's attractive to me. And then obviously you're talking about a potential first-round pick and or Justin Fields, whatever this person thinks of, of Justin. Maybe they think highly of him and understand that, man, I would love to work with this young man because I can develop it. Maybe he studied him a lot in college and understands his skill set as well coming from there all the way through the NFL. So I don't have a name, but I do think this is a very, very attractive position to be in. I've talked to some other OCs that have been into this situation where the defensive coordinator is the head coach, and they got to run everything, and they loved it. So they were in charge, and they got to do whatever they wanted. So hmm. we just saw that here, right? Because that, that was what mm-hmm. Luke Getze had. Yep. but. He was also a first-time play caller. Right. Um, right. He wasn't good enough. He wasn't good enough. Wasn't good enough. So the name that I gave was Shane Waldron, offensive coordinator in Seattle, 
with a defensive head coach, so he had had yep. that exact same dynamic before, but was a play caller, now is available because Pete Carroll is gone, maximized Geno Smith uh, when mm-hmm. no one was expecting him to, but also worked under Sean McVay, the it system of yep. the NFL, and worked under Bill Belichick. Speaks gave Frank Reich. I like Frank Reich because of the success he had with multiple different quarterbacks as the head coach and offensive mind in Indianapolis with Brissett and Luck and Rivers and Wentz there and obviously won a Super Bowl with Wentz and Foles as the offensive coordinator in Philly. And and one thing that I was saying when we were going through some names in the last segment was the job even with Eberflus attached to it Mm -hmm. is good enough that I don't think you need to take a risk on a first-time play caller again. You know, like, I, the, like yeah. they did with Getze. Like, I, I think that there's, there's names that are out there, like an Eric Bieniemy, like a Frank Reich, yep. like a Shane Waldron. Yep. Like I, I, I think that those are the types of names we should be talking about here, not um, Brian Callahan or Clint yeah. Kubiak, no, yeah, yeah, young, yeah, yeah, up-and-coming yeah. offensive coaches who might be great head coaches one day, but they've never been play callers before. No, 100% agree with that. When we okay. do the pregame with Olin and uh, and Mully, we always talk about, you know, we compare the rosters, but we also compare coaching rosters. I thought Eberflus's roster wasn't talented enough. Uh, well, maybe not to say talent. Well, obviously not because he got fired, but you need some of that veteran presence on that roster, right, the coaching roster. Like a Frank Reich would be great because he's been there before. He could take some off of, of uh, Eberflus's plate uh, just for weekly management, game management, things like that, uh, situational things, uh, not only situational during the game, <laughs> but during the week. Um, I think that's one thing, and what you're talking about is bringing in a, a guy that's already called the plays. He's got experience. You know, I think that's one thing that the, the, the Bears coaching staff lacked on that side of the ball, and I, 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 I totally believe that needs to be done. I would not like a first-time play caller. I would like somebody who's been around a quarterback or quarterbacks with different skill sets. You know, that would be easier because then if you bring in a Drake May, Caleb Williams, then maybe he knows how to work with him. And then he also knows how to work with a Justin Fields type. So mm. I, I think the experience is really big, and that would be uh, high on my list if I was Matt Eberflus. Pat, are, are, is the chemistry good enough? Are the vibes good enough? The direction good enough where this yeah. move makes sense to keep I, Matt Eberflus? I think that's why he did it. I really think that was part of his evaluation that the team, you know, follows them, that they, they've got something going on. And, again, we talked about last week during the pregame show about the, the cigar thing. That could go either way. And we, I said I hated it as an old-school guy. I thought that was dumb to do during week 16 or yeah, week 17 of the of the season. But then also it's it seemed great because the team came together. They were enjoying each other. Everybody was doing it. And there are little things that happen in the locker room that maybe a coach doesn't agree with. And I've talked about it many times before that we played – uh, dodgeball in our locker room. Lovey came in, yelled at us on a Saturday after a walkthrough. What the heck are you doing? We can never do this again. I think we went out and we won like 44-10. I think it might have been before we went down to play. I don't know who. I, we, we we won big. But what was upsetting to me is they went out and laid the egg against the Packers after doing that. So it looks bad. But there are things like that that bring a team together. And when I saw that, I read it two ways, but I also saw it as like this team believes in each other. They like each other. And that falls on the head coach who is letting that happen, who makes that happen. So I do feel that way, and I think that's the biggest reason why he is back and why 
Ryan Poles feels this way about Eberflus, you know, leading leading this team in his direction. You got to keep sharing that perspective because whether whether we like it or not, that stuff matters to a oh, football yes. team, to a GM, depending mm-hmm. on especially a former player GM yeah. like like Ryan Poles. We had spirited debate in transition, and I know it can anger people to hear that stuff matter, but it's team sports. Pat. It is. It is. And then, like we talked about, oh, yes. Let me just keep going on, going on with that. Please. It's super important because Jerry Angelo talked about it. Like that, he was very. That was very important to him. Lovey allowed us to do that. Yes, we only went to one Super Bowl, won an NFC Championship, but we had a great locker room. I think everybody knew that in Chicago. We got along. We played hard. I just think that is very, very important. And then on the Justin Field side of the locker room, everybody pulling for him. Ryan Pohl said it today as well. That is very important. That's not going to make his decision sway it largely one way or the other, but that's a that's something that weighs on a team. You know that 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 they like the quarterback that much, and I've played in locker rooms with some of the quarterbacks that were 50-50. You know what I mean? And uh, it, it does make a difference. And every if everybody's behind you and you have that harmonized locker room, whatever you want to call it, it makes a difference. Good stuff, Pat. Thank you for being flexible on a Newsday. We appreciate you, buddy. No problem. All right, man. We'll see what happens in the next week or so. All right, man. We'll be in touch. See you guys. Thank you. That's Pat Manley. We are monitoring what's going on. We'll give you the key factors. Mark Grody with the Bears Report at 5 o'clock. We'll open up some phone lines now as well. What you want? Are you mad? How you feeling? Matt Eberflus is here. The offensive staff is gone. Does it tip their hand on the quarterback situation? It's Parkinson Spiegel on the score. 